We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Pack-A-Day podcast. Playoff Saturday, the day before the Packers will host the Seattle Seahawks in the divisional round of the 2019 NFL playoffs. I am Jason Perrone, joined with my co-host, Paul Brettel. Paul, happy Friday. I should say happy Saturday to you. This is Friday recording, but Saturday is the day that everybody will hear our magical show. Yeah, I'm doing great, and it's playoff football at Lambeau Field. Doesn't get much better than that, and I have surely missed it. And I'm actually jealous of you Wisconsinites and Milwaukee goers because in between Packers games, you guys at least have some meaningful basketball to watch. I'm a Suns fan, so that (laughs) ended. That lasted all of maybe a week and a half, and that is over again until next season because they will surely botch the draft once again. So... Uh, but obviously, that's all the basketball talk you're going to hear from us. It is playoff time. It is Packers. It is Seahawks. And, you know, I have to admit, Paul, um, I'm going to actually pop on here because normally we do the injury update. Um, I'm not sure if we were given a different assignment because it is the playoffs. So we might as well talk some injuries while I'm looking that up. Uh, fortunately, on the Packers side of things, it's it's not super clean, but it, it could always be worse. So 
Kenny Clark, it was announced on Friday, is listed as questionable with a back injury. We were talking just a few minutes ago about that. I don't get the sense that it's too, too serious, although he is still listed as questionable. And given the fact that they've had two weeks off since the last game and he did play against Detroit, um, it's a back cause for concern, obviously, right? Yeah, absolutely. That you know, the back's one of those things where you you just never really know. It's a really tricky situation. My gut feeling on it is that they're just being extra careful with him this week, just to make sure that he is you know as close to a hundred percent ready as he is going, as they can get him to for Sunday's game. Uh, but like you said, it's the playoffs. I'll be, I guess, I'll be a little surprised if he doesn't play. I think they're just taking it easy with him. But as we've already stated, it's the back, and you never really know for certain. Yeah, Corey Lindsley dealt with that uh, mm-hmm. at the end of the season, and and it's just you know it's the rigors of playing in a 16 game season, and now you've got the playoffs, and it's just it's we're you know we're no strangers to it as Packers fans in years past. Now this season, the Packers have been very fortunate that they've been able to avoid any major injuries, and they've had most of their preferred players available to them. You would think in a game where Seattle features a very mobile quarterback, even though he may not necessarily have, as some would call it, the weaponry to throw to that you want to have all all areas of your defense covered, including your front. I think linebacker-wise, you've got Zadarius Preston Smith. On the back end, you've got Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos. Kind of looking after things last year in Seattle, uh, the Packers unfortunately did not close that out and win that game. They got out to a big lead, but Kyler Fackrell played a big role in that game, kind of spying Russell Wilson and had statistically, I think, the best game of his entire career. So Mike Pettin's no stranger to Russell Wilson. So hopefully he's got a plan. And at least, if nothing else, they probably saw the Kenny Clark situation coming. If it's if he's going to play, then great. He's out there and he's available to them. I think they might already know if he's not, and I think they probably have a plan in place. Yeah, 100%. He's going to play an important part. One, for stopping the run. And the Seattle Seahawks have been a very good rushing team all season. The last few weeks, that production has taken a dip, as you'd expect, when the injuries to Chris Carson and Rashad Penny. But Pete Carroll said earlier this week that we can expect more Marshawn Lynch. And during the Packers stretch before the Lions game, I know they gave up a good chunk of yardage on the ground there. But over that four-game stretch, they were only giving up, I think, around 90 rushing yards per game compared to around the 120 mark where they had been for most of the season. And a big part of that was due to Kenny Clark as well as Dean Lowry just eating up the middle space there. So that's going to be important on Sunday. And also during that stretch, it's no coincidence that the run D was really good that the overall defense was really good as well. I think they only gave up 12.7 points per game during that four-game stretch as well. So those guys are going to be key from that standpoint. And also, if you guys watched last Sunday's game between Seattle and Philadelphia, Fletcher Cox of the Eagles ate up that interior line of Seattle. And I'm expecting much of the same from Kenny Clark, as well as Darius Smith when he's standing up in Roman and just pressuring that A-gap. Yeah, Cox had a great game for the Eagles and and unfortunately they had a quarterback issue and they they weren't able to play uh you know if if there's anything good to come out of it you know hopefully Carson Wentz is okay you know he he reportedly had a a concussion he reported himself as having a concussion and I think made the right decision to to protect his head and his health but that hit has been talked about quite a bit the Jadavion Clowney on Carson Wentz I don't really have an opinion on it one way or the other we're no strangers to that here either we we've you know we went through the Anthony Barr situation we've seen Aaron Rodgers take some hits he's gotten some flags he has other times he has not gotten a flag 
if there's one thing that I can say is that hopefully the the, offici- the officiating or the officials are going to be watching for something like that this week. If something like that does happen, Seattle plays physical. It's Pete Carroll. They're going to do everything they can to gain an advantage for themselves. But if it does happen, then you'd like to think that at least it's it's a point of emphasis and it's something that they're they're going to be looking out for. So as far as the other Packers that are listed on the injury report, all listed as questionable defensive lineman Tyler Lancaster with an illness, Dexter Williams also with an illness, and then Danny Vitale listed as having a knee slash illness. So there is a flu bug going around, Paul, and I kind of mentioned before we started recording, it kind of reminded me of the NFC Championship game in 2016 where they faced the Falcons. They were already down. You know, the, the corner position was already down. You know, you had Ladarius Gunter trying to cover Julio Jones, and the rest Yikes. is history, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's unfortunate that it's happening right now with the bug going around the locker room. But what I said earlier this week, I feel like you hear this at least for multiple teams throughout the season that there's a flu bug or some sort of sickness going through the locker room. But at least not to my recollection. And let me know if you can think of something. But I've never gotten to Sunday and heard, well, they well they would have won if it wasn't for that pesky flu bug or sickness going through the locker room. So a lot of the guys are healthy. Um, I'm guessing that these guys will be good to go who are listed as the sickness as well for Sunday. So not too concerned about it at this point. Yeah, and I would agree with you. I don't think I've ever heard of anything uh, like that being the, the lone factor. And right. it is cold and flu season, and I want to just remind all of our listeners out there, because we're now into January, that it's that time of year, wherever you live, it's probably going around the office. So as our good friend Devontae Adams said this week, wash your hands, wash your butt. Always. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so the Packers hopefully going to have their entire roster available to them. Still no word on Raven Green and whether or not he is going to be activated he is designated for return, but no official roster move has been made yet. So would think Ibrahim Campbell will play a big role there. Campbell was active. He actually got hurt in the Seattle game last year, but he was active for that. So he has been in this defense as a part of the defense to kind of shut down the Russell Wilson-led offense for Seattle. So hopefully that helps. You know, hopefully that's a help in having him back there is that steady presence. And he's been a great addition to the defense since he returned in early November. So turning to the Seattle side, before we kind of talk about some of the game itself, injuries on the Seattle side. So offensive guard veteran Mike Ayupati is listed as doubtful with a neck injury, which probably means he's not going to play. <clears throat> Doesn't seem likely that we'll see Ayupati out there. So that's a loss for the Seahawks on the offensive line. And then their starting tackle, George Fant, is dealing with a groin injury. Now, the Seahawks already don't pass block all that great. And now you've got two offensive linemen, one of which is going to be out, another of which is dinged. Dwayne Brown is also dinged up, too, although he's not listed as a starter. Paul, you mentioned Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith. The conventional wisdom and logic would tell us that they're going to have a day. But I've also seen the Packers get some favorable matchups throughout this season and not always necessarily take advantage, and it is the playoffs. So the Seahawks are going to have a plan in place. I mean, do you really feel that confident, given that it's a veteran coaching staff and a veteran Seahawks team in the playoffs, trying to mitigate a couple of starters missing up front? Yeah, you always have to take into account Pete Carroll and especially Russell Wilson. I mean, I've referred to it in a few articles this week as Russell Wilson magic, where he just pulls off what you just don't expect. 
But I think this is a really, really good matchup that the Packers defensive front can take advantage of. Uh, Russell Wilson's been sacked 48 times a season, which is the most in the NFL, I think tied with Matt Ryan. Um, and the Packers have been one of the teams that have created the most pressures in past seasons, games against the Russell Wilson Seahawks. He's really burned them when the Packers have blitzed. And especially in last year's game, the Packers generated a lot of sacks, but that was because Mike Pettin had to come up with a bunch of creative blitz schemes because Clay Matthews, Nick Perry, et cetera, weren't getting home this year. However, they are one of them. They've been able to pressure the quarterback at one of the highest rates in the NFL while also being one of the lowest blitzing teams in the NFL. So this is going to be a bit of a defense. Obviously, there's new players that Wilson hasn't seen with the Packers, but also just their quality and how they're going to attack him is going to be different as well. And I think that's going to be obviously be a big factor in this game. Yeah, and I think our founder over at Cheesehead TV, Aaron Nagler, talking with Corey Benke on transplants earlier this week, made a good point about the the pass rush and needing to get home. Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, obviously on the pass rushing side. But the other thing that they can mitigate, you know, because a lot of teams will try to run at a good pass rusher, but Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith have also held their own pretty well there in trying to hold the edge. Mm -hmm. And if Kenny Clark can't go, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's Montrevious Adams a little bit, although he's kind of fallen back in the depth chart. You know, if Lancaster can't play, you would assume that they'd try to put a big body out there in Montrevious and maybe Rashawn Gary see some more time up front on the line, just trying to use a big body that can bend and get a push. You know, um, there's a lot of things the Packers can do here. And I like, that's why I like the matchup and is because it's, it's, it offers them a lot of different options. Yeah. And that's a great point on your part. Obviously with the Smiths, we see the pressures, the sacks, the quarterback hits, but one thing that they've done really, really well is contain. When we think about the big runs that opposing teams have had on this defense this year, it hasn't been outside the numbers or outside the tackles too much. It's been more so up the middle and that's a big credit to those two containing. And they're really going to have to do that with Russell Wilson. Um, and I mentioned, or we've been talking about obviously the amount of pressure that they have the potential to get on him. That's step one. Step two is bringing him down. And that's a whole nother, you know, that's a whole nother battle or something difficult to do within itself that they're going to have to uh, be ready for. Yeah. And the Packers are no strangers to Russell Wilson over his career, but it's a different team, even though the defensive coordinator is the same, Mike Pettin. Um, it, it is, it is a task. It is a task. The one good thing is, is that Russell Wilson's, you know, one of the worst venues happens to be in a state where he played his last year of college, his most meaningful year of college football in Wisconsin. He has not played well at Lambeau Field. So mm -hmm. hopefully that continues. And as far as any other injuries, I mentioned George Fant and Dwayne Brown on the offensive line. Defensively for the Seahawks, defensive end Ezekiel Ansah, defensive tackle Quentin Jefferson, and safety Marquise Blair are both are all listed as questionable. So whether or not they'll go, Zeke Ansa has a neck injury. We're very familiar with him. He played many years for the Detroit Lions. Uh, and he's, he's rejuvenated and got one, one, um, another shot in Seattle. So we'll see whether or not he's able to go. I think he's dealt with some injury issues since he's been in Seattle. It might just be the case of a big guy and a big body, and he doesn't seem to be as blessed as somebody like Julius Peppers, who has that size and was able to stay healthy as well. So the, the Seahawks are definitely battling some injuries. They're going on the road in the elements. But you know, one thing I did mention was the coaching staff. And I think we can talk about the matchups and 
how do you defend Russell Wilson and how do you defend uh, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett on the offensive side and then defensively take advantage of a secondary that's not the Legion of Boom anymore and stay the heck away from Bobby Wagner and you know some of those guys there. But coaching staff-wise, that's what kind of got the Packers. I Let's just say, let me, let me phrase it this way, okay? The last time the Packers faced the Seahawks in January, how does that sound? Does that sound a little lighter? Is that a better way for me to put it? You know? it's a smooth way to transition. But right. That was, that was the last week time, week. yeah. So obviously, again, a different team. But the last time the Packers faced the Seahawks in January, and I, you know, I'm, I think it's worth noting that the Seahawks had some things, some trickery in, in mind and ready for the Packers. And when you're an underdog on the road in a playoff game and you're banged up, what are you going to try to do? You're going to try to steal a possession or two or try to steal some yards or some points, which they were able to do. I think they they executed the fake punt. We know all about that. And then the other special teams play that they were able to execute. I don't remember what that was. For some reason, it's escaping my memory. There was one the later in the game. Goal, the Something. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I meant. Yeah. Well, that was actually the Packers uh, poorly executing two field goals in that they made them instead of uh, scoring touchdowns. <laughs> so I think that would think that's where you were going with that. But yeah, it the Packers are going to have to. Uh, you know, earlier this season, Matt Lafleur said it himself. You know, we we heard the tagline "All gas, no break," and it's time for that to happen in in full. And I know that obviously it's one one season in. Lafleur's only had one bye week. He's only coached one season. But Packers did not do too well coming off of their bye, the one time that they had a bye week. So this is a totally different situation. It's a totally different time of year. But any concern there about rust, players that haven't played for a little while? It's, it is a new coaching staff. Is any of that kind of concerning you at all? Uh, overall, no. I mean, obviously it's Matt Lafleur's first time. There's you know, I'm surprised I haven't seen more. Maybe I've missed it, but I'm surprised I haven't read more about that this week, about this being Lafleur's first time in the playoffs and just the preparation and everything that goes into that. So obviously there could be a little bit of concern there, but overall I think he's done a tremendous job this season. Yeah, they had the two ugly games in L.A. and San Francisco, but they bounced back right after that with wins. They never lost back-to-back games this season, um, and I think that's a reflection of coaching. And over the last two games of the season against Minnesota and Detroit, while the execution offensively wasn't always there, I thought he called two very, very good football games. Um, I think he's kind of finding his groove, and you know, for a long part of the had their scripted place to start, then after that they would sputter. But like I said, the last two games, I thought he's been very good throughout the course of the game uh, with what he's dialed up. Hopefully the execution's on point a little bit more. And I also think that we're going to see some things from him in this offense that we haven't seen yet this season. You know, not necessarily like a huge trick play by any means, but a little wrinkle here and there that's going to be new and something that might not be on tape for Seattle. I hope so. I'd like the Packers to be on the other side of the equation for once, honestly. I mean, I think that would be smart on his part to – to have a little bit of something extra in your in your back pocket for them and you know when you need to when you need to steal some yards and you know the weather is supposed to be in the low 20s overcast i haven't seen any any snow in this actual forecast itself but it's very possible that we could get some precipitation so is the kid the kicking game going to be what it was does that change your your decision making when you're between the 40s or you're between the 30s even does that change because you know if you kick a field goal from the 30 that turns it into a 47-yarder. Is May still going to be able to hit that, Mason Crosby? You know, he's been great mm-hmm. in the playoffs, but the weather is what it is. 
you know, mm-hmm. and for some reason opposing kickers just don't seem to be too affected uh, at Lambeau Field. It just seems like they just drill kick after kick. You know, that the last game that they, uh, well, I shouldn't say the last game, the last game they played was in Detroit. But, um, you know, the, the divisional games and the last few games at Lambeau Field, you know, the other kickers just seem to do well, except for the Vikings, of course. <laughs> I just wanted to point that out. Naturally. So, yeah, naturally, of course. There's always some <laughs> sort of a drama with Vikings kickers. So uh, some cool news here, Paul, and I don't know where you were at in your Packers fandom when – these two teams met in the playoffs in 2003. Al Harris is going to be in the house. I was very much a very staunch Packers fan at that point. And in fact, I was so, um, how do I say this? I was so, I wasn't actually drunk, but I was so drunk in the moment (laughs) of the ball getting picked off. And I see the guy streaking towards the end zone with his hand in the air. And I, I literally almost fell over and stopped watching the play because I knew he was going to score. I thought it was Mike McKenzie. And I think I said, and I, which is ridiculous because it's Al Harris, but I literally thought it was Mike McKenzie, you know, the Dread Brothers. And I was like, oh, thank God, Mike. And then I and then I realized it was Al Harris, and I'm like, I totally missed that one. But Al Harris is going to be in the house, so that's some, some good mojo for the Packers. Absolutely. I, was, I think I was just before middle school at that time, uh, but I do remember watching that game at home and – you know, Packers, Seahawks, what other good mojo could you have than Al Harris in the house? Yeah. And hopefully, not in overtime, because we're not going to overtime. The Packers are winning before then. Maybe, just maybe, we'll get another pick six from our current 31. How about that? That would be poetic. I was going to say, 31 is in the house. Adrian Amos, he's had a couple interceptions this season. He didn't house one, but I would love for that to happen. I've, You know, I said, and I think it's time to just kind of give up the dream. Uh, you know, if it happens, great. If it doesn't. But I, I really did think that we were going to see a big splash play like that from a Darnell Savage at Jair Alexander. I really expected those young guys to be a big factor. And the one thing that I've said, I mentioned it last week with Mark Eckel when we did last week's Pack-A-Day, was the playoffs are the time to where a guy or two that comes out of the woodwork, they come out of nowhere and they just shine. And I'm really interested to see who that might be for the Packers. Or maybe it's a guy that's on the field and just hasn't made a lot of big splash plays. You know, Jair had a decent season in terms of manning his position and and he had you know the passer rating against him was okay he had a couple of interceptions but you know it wasn't anything too stellar but you you wanted this is the time when you want to see him hang on to that pick like the one against Carolina if he holds on to that does he take it to the house thus you know things like that you've got some young guys on that roster I mean who do you think might be primed to emerge or maybe have themselves a big day that we might not see coming um, I mean, outside of the, you know, the big names there and Jones and Desaria Smith, Jair, I think Alan Lazard has great potential. Obviously, Devontae Adams is going to draw a lot of attention like he always does. But this is a Seahawks defense that has given up the sixth most passing yards per game on average this season. Um, Aaron Rodgers hasn't had a ton of, you know, vintage, you know, 325, 350 yard passing games. But when he has had his big games this season, they've come against Detroit who gives up the first most. Oakland gives up the eighth most. Uh, Philadelphia gives up the 11th most. Now, as I said, the sixth most passing yards per game defense is coming in. So the potential is there. Um, Lazard is getting into a bigger role last three weeks of the season. Season He outsnapped Geronimo Allison finally over that span. So that's great to see. And then defensively, uh, I think Dean Lowry's an under-the-radar guy. Um, 
Kenny Clark needs some help inside there to so he's not getting double teamed constantly. And then the other one is Kevin King. Uh, King's primary probably going to be primarily on DK Metcalf, just given his size. King's a lot taller than you know, a few inches taller than Jair. Um, and he's, you know, led the team in interception. So there's another opportunity for him to make a play. And like you said, with Jair and Darnell, they've been really, really close this season. They both have had their hands on multiple potential interceptions that could have, you know, gone for some big plays the other direction. So fingers crossed we see one this weekend. Yeah. And I, you know, that's a great, those are all great options. And I also say what's gotten you here is probably what's going to be the formula to get you by. So it won't surprise me if it ends up being Kevin King again. You know, time after time, he's the one that's come up with the interceptions and the big plays when we all doubted whether or not he was going to be effective. And, you know, <laughs> maybe I should save it. You know, we can revisit the whole, you know, fraudulent 13-3 and three team comments that were made this week in the media. But <laughs> you, you, you hear even some teams that just, it's like, or some media members that say, well, the only reason why King, people are always so quick to dismiss what somebody does well. Listen, Kevin King did well because he did well. The defense was set up. You know, either it was schemed well for him or he finally stepped up and made a play, and we now know what he can do when he plays a full season healthy. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's what I think the Packers are going to – they're going to get by on what's gotten them there. One thing that's been a little bit shaky has been Aaron Rodgers at times. He's still Aaron Rodgers. He really wants another championship, but there's 11 other guys on the other side trying to stop that from happening. So you've got an opportunity now with an offensive line that's probably going to protect you, right? If the Seahawks don't have a great pass rush, he's going to have time in that pocket. It's going to be clean, but the clean pocket hasn't necessarily saved him this season. Mm-hmm. So this might be a week where I think you've got to, you really hope that he hits those intermediate routes. Devonte Adams, Alan Lazard, you mentioned, um, I'm even thinking Jimmy Graham, if he can hang on to the football, maybe he's got a little bit extra juice against his former team. And then mm-hmm. the running backs, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, could this be a game where collectively in rushing and in passing, Aaron Jones has another burner and just lights up the stat sheet? I'm absolutely hoping so. I put out on Twitter this week is the keys to beating Seattle, Aaron Jones, and then C-Step 1. Um, <laughs> I mean, the Seattle rush defense over the last five games are giving up 160 rushing yards per game on average. That's against a running- lot. God, that's so many yards. Against the running backs in the passing game, they're av- they're giving up 9.5 yards per catch, which was the third most, uh, over 51 yards per game total, which was the fourth most. I mean, this game just spells Aaron Jones. Get Aaron Jones the ball. And I expect that to be a big part of it. They've also struggled against tight ends as well. And guess what? I have those numbers on me, as you'd expect. Uh, they're giving up 6.3 passes, receptions per game to tight ends, and 71.5 yards to them, both of which – our top three in the NFL as far as most. So we haven't seen the Packers tight ends do a ton this season consistently, but this is a great opportunity for them. And going back to what you said about Aaron Rodgers, if he can, if they can just get the ball out quick on rhythm uh, in time, I think that they'll have a lot of success in the passing game. I'm not worried about Rodgers getting the ball out on time. I, I, I think he knows he's got to get the ball out of his hands. And I think that he'll do that. It's it's the accuracy, which seems to have waned a little bit. And, mm-hmm. you know, I and we're not talking about, you know, Rodgers making the otherworldly torquey throws. I mean, we're talking about guys that are open and throws that he really should be hitting. It's uncharted territory for Packers fans to have this issue that we've not had to worry about for the last 10-plus years. You know, I, I just have to hope that maybe the home crowd and a little – added rejuvenation will help him but Aaron Rodgers just has been what he's been all season and so if we're Mm going to count on 
Kevin King and the defense to do what they do, you have to kind of assume the offense is going to be what it is and there might be some moments of frustration. Uh, but I'm hoping that this isn't going to be the laser light show and the guy that was missing for the Detroit Lions that maybe maybe motivated Rodgers to throw deep against is actually now with the Seattle Seahawks, Quandre Diggs, the safety. So I don't think we're going to be chucking it deep a mm-hmm. ton this weekend and, and going that route, and I hope that they don't. I think the more that you rest up your defense and you give Kenny Clark you know, some time, to, right, additional time to kind of heal and rest up, keep Russell Wilson off the field, you know, that spells a lot of success, right? So, Yeah, 100%. And uh, Quandre Diggs, since he got to Seattle, he's been a ball hawk. I think in six games he has like five turnovers, uh, three interceptions, a couple fumbles. So that's a great point. And this Packers team, it's the playoffs. They are who they are. But still, to me, the wild card is Aaron Rodgers because I still think that he can have those moments where he can be – you know the vintage Aaron Rodgers we know it just might not be for the same amount of stretches you know entire game but I just think there's a lot of you know I've covered a lot of it the favorable matchups that favor Green Bay in this game Um, and it's certainly theirs for the taking especially at Lambeau Field cold game ball security you got to hold on to the football I think to your point I think Seattle's going to be trying to punch that ball loose they know that there's an opportunity there Geronimo Allison's fumbled a bunch of times this season I think Devontae had a fumble. You know, everybody's mm-hmm. had, you know, Jimmy Graham had a fumble that went out of bounds. So these guys have had issues hanging out of the football. Aaron Jones had one. And so, again, Seattle's aware of these things. They're going to try to find a way to steal a possession or two or, or try to get the ball back. And I think Green Bay's got to make sure that they're hanging out of the football and they don't shoot themselves in the foot and make everybody, you know, a little bit more correct in their assessment of this the way that the Packers became 13 and three. So we'll end it with this, this fraudulent 13 and three. And this was a, I don't even know the guy's name. Pro football focus did some analysis and he talked about, uh, you know, how the Packers have reached their record. And I happen to be of the ilk that, listen, you are what your record says you are. I don't care how you got there. This team was almost the number one seed. And there's reasons why those things happen. It's not green Bay's fault that all the pieces fell into place. It's not green Bay's fault that they didn't face Patrick Mahomes or they, you know, they didn't have this or that going on. Honestly, they should have beat San, they should have San Diego, LA. They should have beat the LA chargers. The chargers ended up not being a good team, but when they played each other, LA still had something to play for and they weren't playing poorly. So it goes both ways, Mm -hmm. you know, and you talk about the officiating and I don't expect that to help the Packers at all. I've already seen enough examples of the officiating so far that, lead me to believe that that's going to play a factor at some point, whether it's this week or if we're fortunate enough to have a game next week, it's it's probably going to play a factor in, in one of these games. It just seems like that's that's too much of, of the game, unfortunately, these days. Games ending in controversy and calls and should it be reviewed or not be reviewed. But this whole mm-hmm. this whole fraudulent thing and the and the you know the Packers and they don't belong here completely disagree. You you know it's it's they've done they have had magic moments, and they have done some special things. You know, they had two walk-off wins against the Lions, and I don't care how bad Detroit ended up. They're a divisional team. When you play mm-hmm. against teams in your division, they're tough games. Just ask Seattle, our opponent this weekend, about the Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals always seem to win in Seattle. It doesn't matter. The Cardinals were terrible this season, right? So your take on this whole fraudulent 13-3, and I'm sure you have a word or two to say about it. I do. First off, with all the stats and analytics that's in football these days, it's easy to get consumed of it, and I do. I love that stuff. I dive into it. I read it. I use it. Like I said, I love it. But at the end of the day, what matters is wins and losses. 
And in the tweets you're referring to, the thread, there are all these stats that showed the Saints were better than Green Bay on paper. And you know what? Those stats, they yes, they show that. But who's playing this week? The Green Bay Packers are and the New Orleans Saints aren't. Comes down to that final score at the end of the game. And really, that's all that matters. Everyone made fun of the Packers this year because they won ugly. Well, the Saints won pretty a ton, and they're sitting at home. Packers got the bye. They're playing this weekend. They have a good chance to win. So, like I said, I love that stuff. I consume it. But at the end of the day, it's the scoreboard that matters. Well, right. And the Packers won a lot of really pretty games in 2011, Paul. Do you remember 2011? I do. It was a fun regular season. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it. So I guess the only thing left to do is, you know, we might as well give our listeners a little little extra because I know we don't always necessarily do this, but how this one is going to shake out. We talked about the the offense, defense, and everything else, but, you know, like you said, it all comes down to the results. So the cold weather, last game of the, of the weekend, it's going to be, you know, even colder because it's going to get into the nighttime hours at Lambeau Field. Mm-hmm. How do you see this one shaking out? I think the Packers, it's going to be a close game. I know I don't expect the Packers to win by, you know, two touchdowns, three touchdowns by any means. It's the Seattle Seahawks. They're very resilient, as they've shown. They have Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll. But like I said, the matchups, Aaron Jones versus their defense, Devontae Adams versus their defense, their pass rush versus our O-line, our D-line versus their O-line, it just all favors the Packers, and not by a little, by a very, you know, by a fairly good amount. So I think the Packers will control the game for the most part. Um, You know, the defense might give up a big play or two. Uh, Seattle likes to take their shots. Packers are prone to doing that, but I don't think it gets, you know, out of hand by any means. So I'm going to go Green Bay 24, Seattle 17. All right. So that's pretty close to the way I see it happen. I don't think it's going to be a very high scoring game. It's got, you know, the weather and everything else just doesn't lend it, lend it being that way. And Seattle has um, played close to their opponents all season long. So I don't think it's going to be the blowout that some think it might be as a surprise. That would be wonderful, but I just don't see it. I've got it 24, uh, 20 green Bay. And I think Seattle scores a late touchdown and they try to execute their own onside kick to try to keep the offense going. But uh, I'm going to imagine green Bay is not going to let that happen. And I just want to add one more piece before we go. I feel like because of, obviously, how the 2015 NFC Championship game ended, that Seattle is Green Bay's boogeyman. That just isn't true. The home team has dominated this series before that game and after. Since that game, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks have come to Lambeau three times. The Packers are 3-0. and They've outscored them 82-36. to Russell Wilson's completing 57% of his passes for an average of 200 yards with three touchdowns, six interceptions. They are not the boogeyman, and the Packers can and should win. I was at that game in 2016 when they picked him off five times. Yep. It was a beautiful thing. Devontae <laughs> catches a bomb at mm-hmm. the very beginning, and in fact, I think Fox didn't switch over fast enough on the TV feed, and a lot of Packers fans did not get to see live the Devontae deep touchdown. Let me tell you, in the stands at Lambeau Field, <laughs> right out of the gate against the Seahawks, Richard Sherman was still on that team. Cam Chancellor was still there. Earl Thomas was out, but it was still the the Seahawks defense. That was a magical afternoon, absolutely. And you're you're 100% right. I think any more at this point right now, you have to look at San Francisco. Maybe, you know, even Minnesota is, is scarier. You know, whoever they might have to, whoever Green Bay is going to face the following week, if they're fortunate enough to move on, I think is going to be way scarier than Seattle. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you agree. Yeah, obviously anything can happen. And I'm not trying to downplay Seattle at all. They're a very good football team. But from a pure matchup standpoint, 
the Vikings and 49ers present a bigger challenge than what Seattle does. Yeah. No, they definitely do. But the Seahawks are good, and it's Pete Carroll, and he's going to chew his gum, and it's probably going to freeze, and he's going to have to have to replace it several times on the sideline. And we want to beat our old. Well, yeah, right, Locked. And we want to beat our old friend John Schneider. So hopefully that happens, and let's let's make sure we put a body on fourteen in a, in a Seahawks jersey. Let's not let him run wild down the field. Not, you know, let's not let's not get the shot play. That's really the only thing that worries me as far as the Seattle offense goes. But you know, I think we've I think we've pretty well covered everything. And and uh, you know, if you let the obvious beat you, then maybe maybe you don't deserve to move on, right? Right. Yep. Exactly. If the Packers play their A game, uh, they're going to win. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Well, Paul, the next time we would potentially be talking would be the week in between the yep. NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl. So I don't know if the sirens you hear in the background that are <laughs> racing past my house are a, a good omen or not. But if you and I have Packers football to talk about the next time we get together, that is a really, really good thing for everybody. So Absolutely. I'd have to say uh, if the Packers are able to advance and the Vikings are able to somehow pull off the upset in San Francisco – you will most likely be seeing me next weekend. So awesome. I hope I do. Let's keep our fingers crossed. And as I always ended out with the last thing to do, it's a playoff. Go pack. Go.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.